Welcome to Health Raisers. Health Raisers don't just survive, together we thrive. I'm your host, Dr. Nadine. Today, my guest is Robbie Swale, and I just want to let everyone know how we met. <laughs> it was a little over a year ago, or maybe two at this point, almost. It's been a do while. You know, do you know something, Nadine, that's a bit weird? I think it's nearly three. I think oh. it was late late 2019. Oh, see, this is what the pandemic does. It just <laughs> absolutely shifts your consciousness. But so we meet in... Akimbo land, as I fondly uh, like to call it. And I come across your work and it was really intriguing. The 12 minute method. And I thought, huh, 12? Why 12? Why not 10? That's, that's interesting. It was just an interesting detail. And I went ahead and joined your discussion where you were encouraging us to let go of perfectionism, to let go of making the idea of becoming a writer something greater than it needed to be, and just to do the work. And it was the first time I started to think of the possibility that I could do this. So I really want to start out by saying thank you for planting the seed. And even though I don't have a book yet, I'm definitely on the way there. And you helped plant that seed that it didn't have to be something overwhelming. It didn't have to be something that was only for a special league of people born with this talent and skill of of composing and writing books. And that little old me could express herself through this medium in different ways. And so I'm I'm still exploring and I'm actually working on a cookbook with my family to preserve our history, its posterity, its culture, and all of that. So I just want to start off by saying thank you for making it possible in my mind. Well, that's very meaningful for me. You know, I I had a long think as my first book came out at the end of last year. Uh, you know, which which essentially was you know was written when we did that workshop in in late 2019, but it still took two more years to actually come out, and, and that's. That's another part of the story, but I thought about what. Well, what is real meaningful success for me with this? You know, it's good to ask, like, what's success? And you know, that at that answer with a book, you might answer selling some books, um, or <laughs> create creating some business, or whatever it is. But what's real success? And and when I asked that, a big part of it is having exactly the the story that you've just told is very meaningful to me. You know, it's kind of a little crazy to me. I still feel often like the little boy who grew up in the north of England in the countryside and that somebody on the other side of the world says, I saw this sort of weird thing that you've done. And I thought, wow, I could actually do that. And because that thing you described is not a small thing, right? There's an identity shift mm. in there, which is Yes. Which is which is, yeah, so all that is, is very meaningful for me to hear. But I, I just want to uh, slightly correct the story because actually the first time that we met, kind of, was when I stepped into your workshop just <laughs> at, at, at Akimbo, just before I did mine. And I remember saying this right at the start. This is the first interaction I think we had right at the start of um, the 12-minute the method, the How to Write a Book in 12 Minutes workshop. I said I was feeling really nervous about this workshop and very edgy. And then I did... Nadine's um, chair yoga session 
I think that's what it was, or desk yoga session. It's true. And now I feel grounded. And and that workshop was very meaningful for me. And uh, so there's a nice little, um, I don't know what you'd call it, symbiosis or something. Um, Because that workshop, the the 12-minute workshop that you came to then, that was really meaningful for me. It sparked a lot of things. And as I went through the publishing journey, the way that I held on to, this is a thing worth doing amongst all the struggles and the imposter syndrome and the resistance was, well, remember what came out of that little workshop you did at Akimbo Day and the stories that people like Nadine have and now tell. But who knows if that would have happened in the same way if I hadn't been so beautifully centered from the yoga. Oh, thank you for that. I I have been accused of being a little bit too humble and downplaying. (laughs) (laughs) And it is kind of showing up a lot lately. So I I thank you for that. I thank you for the reminder. I totally managed to forget that. So you and I have been able to maintain this connection, even though we don't talk very often. I, I still follow your work. I, I joined your group in order to stay motivated and accountable to produce work and to really figure out what that is. Um, and it took me a while to land on it. Kind of like you said, it took you a while to go from writing to the actual publication. It's taken me a while to go, I should write this book. And I was I use the word should on purpose. I should write this book because a smart person writes books and don't I want to be a smart person. And then with time and I gave myself grace and uh, and kind of like a stepping back and taking a bird's eye view, it just became apparent to me that it's important to be passionate about doing the work and really connected to help get through the, the dip and the difficult time of getting from idea to publication. So that's how I found. I want to honor my family and I want to give them a voice through a combination of writing the book, a cookbook, sharing, doing the project with my mother and my eldest daughter, who's got a great eye and has been taking pictures for the book. And in those moments of going from recipe to execution, we've made a deeper connection. We've allowed for organic stories to be told. So it's not forced. Like, you know, I want to know more about my grandmother. And through the act of cooking, which is something she loved doing, this was her love language, I was able, and Maddie, my eldest daughter, we were able to learn more about my grandmother through stories as we're creating these dishes together, as we're watching my mother cook and explain these dishes. So I just, I don't know if you think of yourself as an altruistic person, but I do. I, I wanted to, to say that to me, it's, it's not just doing for others. It's it's generosity. It's it's giving people room to be themselves. It's it's saying it's okay for you to to do this thing, and it's not meaningless. I, mm. I, Robbie, I don't know how how much you. I hope you're experiencing just how powerful our chance meetings really were. Yeah, I mean, I gotta say, Nadine, I'm not sure I could have even told you why, and now I'm starting to get it, but it had, you particularly, I mean, there's a few people, but you particularly as somebody, when I, you wrote a little thing to go on the, like, in my book to say, 
this is the impact this has had. And those, the people who wrote those little things, what do you call them? The little like, uh, I don't know, testimonials or whatever that people have in books. And, you know, often people have, uh, people have like people with impressive job titles or authors that mostly you've never heard of in, mm-hmm. in the front few pages of the book. And I realized what I wanted, I, I kind of saw somebody else doing something similar with, a, with another book. What I wanted was people who had actually experienced the thing that the books were about to write something. But what I didn't know would happen is that I'd have all these doubts during the publication process of those of those books and I'd keep coming back to particularly that group that we were part of that came out of Akimbo and and it's been very meaningful to me to have you specifically you I mean some of the other people too but you specifically you having written one of those things that's like like you say we haven't spoken that often but it's a feeling about you and your work that you know I I don't know speaks to me. And so it has been, you know, when I've looked down that list of, wow, these people wrote these things, I, you know, wow, Nadine wrote this thing about this and my work. It must be worth publishing. Mm. That's been one of the things mm. that's that's kept me going through all that. Mm. And, and I just want to just reflect as well on, so, so personally, I find it quite hard to hold um, I, like I, I try and process what the kind of thing that you've just said with my head, it doesn't really work. And I find it, you know, it's a piece of work for me to try and hold more um, physically or in my heart, the kind of thing that you just said. And, and I just want to say a couple of things about this thing that you're making. Like, you're right. Like, what a great, to have that kind of vision for what it could be that's really meaningful to you. Like that just feels like a really important part of making something that matters. Um, and so does, I just love the way you talked about how the process is like for me, one of the most important things about, about doing work and keeping going with all the doubt is connecting the process, like making the, taking the outcome off the hook a little bit. So it's not about, I should have this book because I'm a smart person and smart mm. people have books. And if I have the book, then I'll get, be successful in this way or whatever. It's like, mm. Well, actually, in a way, once you've had that conversation with your mother and your daughter, and the three of you have had that time together, like that's amazing. Like, I, in a way, at this stage, personally, if if that's what I've helped create, like I don't care if there's ever a book because that's just a incredibly meaningful thing to be to be happening in the world. Mm. So, I, kind of what you and I've been dancing around a little bit as we're talking about the creative process is something that you and I talked about recently which is this idea of being at war spiritually. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. And, and I'm aware also you half asked me a question about altruism and, and I'm, I'm also happy to, to kind of catch that. I don't think I actually said anything about that. But yeah, one of the things, so I, I hearing what you said, I'm kind of learning in this moment as it's always, you know, such a pleasure to, to do when in a conversation with somebody like you, I'm suddenly aware that one of the things also that got me through the um, the struggles in the publication, those two years, right? There's a lot of sensible reasons that it took a while, but one of them was a connection to a vision that was beginning to form when we had met, but really formed last year. And I don't think it's a surprise that, um, that the books came out. It doesn't feel like a coincidence. It, it kind of rationally does, but uh, irrationally or transrationally, it doesn't. It feels like it makes total sense that I actually needed the vision, the vision for why these books and this creative thing matters to me. Like I, I kind of needed to know that in the same way that you need probably it sounds like needed to know what the book was right now that was calling you and why that was important. And 
what came up for me was this. It, it came from these very powerful set of questions, which I'm going to not quite remember, that I learned from my mentor, Robert Holden, uh, and or one of my mentors. And he asked these purpose questions. And I'd always found purpose a bit hard. Like it, it's a word that gets used an enormous amount, especially if you're in the kind of world of coaching like I am. It's like purpose and in leadership. And, and I kind of heard a lot of people saying the word, but not in a way that hit me deep. And yet Robert's questions took me somewhere, which did. And he's he's excellent. At, like I, I kind of did the work with him because I knew he would be able, he could hold the very practical sides of the world, but he was also a very spiritually connected man. And I knew that that was part of what I needed at this stage in my journey. And the question was something like this. And the, and the, the prompt for me and, and the people on the program with me was to just listen to the intuition that comes up. And the, the question was, what is the shared purpose of humanity? And this is a big question. And what came up for me was, and and this is interesting because I'm not particularly a religious person. Certainly my upbringing wasn't. What came up was to create the kingdom of heaven on earth. And I was like, whoa, you know, where, whoa, where, where, where did that come from? And, um, it, you know, I think in some ways, it, you know, if people... If people do have faith and they're listening, they might that might really land for them, but it also might not. Um, and for people who don't, then that again, it might land or it might not. But I think sometimes we need that to, to speak to something. For me, that speaks to something rational, uh, something that rational conversation can't speak to, because we need that language, the kind of mythic spiritual language, to really capture what's going on. And when I sat with that, and I also sat with the other questions, which were kind of uh, what part might I play in this? In that, in that, you know, what, what part do I want to play in? in in that big shared purpose. One of the things that came to me was this spiritual creative battle that we sometimes find ourselves in. I, I realized that when I thought about this work about creativity and helping people take those steps from particularly where, where we've wanted to, on some level, consciously or otherwise, we've wanted to do something for a long time, create something. It might be a book, but it could also be a business. It could be approaching someone that we, we think we might love. You know, It could be all kinds of things in there. That, that when we want to do that, and we don't do it, that actually that, that in some cases for me, that's the closest approximation to hell that I can kind of remember in my life, this kind of mm. internal desperation to do the thing on one level, mm. and yet the knowledge that I'm not doing it. Mm. And th that is such a powerful and evocative feeling that when I thought about how do I create a kingdom of heaven on earth, these big words, it's like, well, actually, one part of that is to help people out of this kind of creative hell and into action around these things that are calling them in some way. And so, but that battle mm -hmm. between the parts of me that wants to create or to sing or, or to, you know, when I think back to being a teenage boy, to, to speak to the girl that, that at that moment, you know, it's like, you know, that battle, the parts of me that really want to do that and the parts of me that won't let me out of fear, out of struggle, out of all these things. Yeah, that's that kind of battle that I think we're, we, we spoke about before. But as I say that, what comes up for you? Because it's, it's, there's lots in here, isn't there? Yeah. So what's coming up for me, two things, being in the experience, learning from it, being able to identify it and being willing to sit in it. And then what is the catalyst to move out of, of it and to create what, what allows us to step into or leap? One of my favorite books is The Creativity Leap by Natalie Nixon. And I've, I just will never forget this 
punchy opening where she says, we can fall backwards, but to leap takes, it's movement, it takes, it takes energy. So it's, you, you got to do it. You got to yeah. do it to get to the other side. So how do you see that? How do you see the importance of the acknowledgement of being in that hell and then having to cross that chasm to save yourself? Well, in some ways, I think this might sound weird. I think it is a courageous path, but an important path to look for where the hell is. Now, not everybody will have it, right? But it's like most of us will have some version of that, something that we, on one level, are being called to, really want to do. And wherever the hell is, and I learned this from Stephen Pressfield. He has, he has this amazing book, The War of Art. You know, you probably know it because we've both met through kind of Seth Godin and he, he loves Stephen Pressfield's work as well. And one of the, the War of Art is a book about, in a way, this thing we're talking about. It's about Stephen Pressfield has the phrase resistance to mean all this creative hell, all these feelings, all the reasons, the excuses we don't do that, that keep us from doing the things we want to do. One of the things he says in there is, um, uh, the rule of thumb is the, the more resistance you feel towards something, the more important that something is for your soul's evolution. And it's like, I've thought about that a lot over the years. And it, that is one of the things I hold to in, mm. um, in the moments of fear, the moments mm. before the leap. And I'll come back to the leap in a sec. But it, it was, I think it was actually a Seth Godin interview, Seth being interviewed, that I first heard him say, well, the great thing about that is it means you can use it as a compass. And that's mm. so interesting because mm. it's like this part of us that we, you know, this, this kind of feeling of hell sometimes for us but actually it's a compass there's something here that's really important for us and to us so that's so, the first part and then there's the leap part yeah. and i mean well that's a part of the first part because i think all this stuff is so textured the leap part i love that phrase the creative leap it made me think of uh, one of my favorite movies butch cassidy and the sundance kid mm. uh, i don't know if you know the movie but there's, there's these two cowboys they're being chased um down and they're very it's an amazing double act between Robert uh, I get it wrong Robert Redford and Paul Newman it's really a, it's a movie about their relationship and there's this moment where they are being cornered by the people that are chasing them down and they're on this ledge and they're looking down at this chasm and a river below and they, they they're like well we can wait here or we can jump and so they turn and they hold hands and they jump in and the, the hilarious line just before that is Paul Newman uh, Butch Cassidy starts laughing and the other guy's like, why are you laughing? Like, well, I can't swim, but that doesn't matter because the fall's probably going to kill me, something like that. But it gave me that picture of that leap and mm. that kind of leap mm. of faith um, mm -hmm. that they do. And, and it's a movie, so they survive that, that leap. Um, it's not the end of the movie. For me, it's, <clears throat> I often think about one of the most admiring, well, I think about courage a lot. And I think one of the most admirable human qualities is courage courage to leap essentially mm -hmm. and the thing about courage is basically as far as i think about it by definition it's just acting in the face of fear so the greater the creative hell the greater the resistance the greater the courage that's available to you and then what happens is this magical thing is that when you when you when you when you do courage when you are courageous you get to the other side and you get this amazing rush uh, that's my experience. Hovering, feeling terrified, hovering over the post button after I've written an article. Mm -hmm. Then you post it, and then suddenly, whoa, I did that thing. 
And now I'm changed forever because I'll always now be the person who, you know, let this chasm, no matter how small the chasm might look to other people. To me, I know it was scary. I let the chasm now. I'm changed. And one of the things I, I wrote in, in my first book is, you know, inspiration's always around us, but it's when we make a start that we let it in. And that's a Pressfield inspired thing that I wrote. But it's like, it's like that's often the feeling for me as well. And do you take it a step um, farther, tying it into the idea of altruism and generosity and, and connectedness with other people? Where if, okay, let me pull back just a bit because it feels like it's a healthy spiritual act to act despite the fear. To say, I am here to make this thing. I am here to create, not just for myself, but for others. You're right. Like, it is a healthy spiritual act to just make the thing. And that's something, but it's not everything as part of this. Because when the thing you've made starts to interact with other people, then there's another level of of things that can go on. Because you acted, you're able to share this thing that makes it possible for other people to take that leap. So the 12 minute method was, I'm afraid. I don't see myself as being an author. Author feels heavy and, and huge and just not, not allowed for me. Like, I mean, that was my narrative. Yeah. But then there was this, there's this way, something I could grab onto when I when I made that leap. Because you're not just you're yes, you're leaping through the air to get to the thing, but there's somewhere to land or 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 it might help to grab onto that thing. So for me, it was grabbing onto this idea of yes, I can because I can do this through this thing. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I think there's a there's like a few things in there. Um, so one is, I think like, I don't know if this is it, but I just wrote down courage is courageous. Uh, courage is contagious. It's like, okay. it's like when we okay. see someone else doing something, yeah, we do kind of, it is a bit, it is kind of contagious. It's like, all oh, right. If I know that, and uh, the Pressfields work did, did this for me. If I know that other people are, you know, feel his resistance, mm-hmm. get scared and act anyway, mm-hmm. then no longer is my, um, no longer is my fear a reason not to act. At the mm-hmm. very least, my mm-hmm. fear is not telling me, which is what I had thought. I had thought my fear, all the self-doubt, was telling me that I wasn't the kind of person who writes books but if I, or writes a blog or starts a business or whatever it is. But when it turns, if, if everybody has that, or at least if loads of people who are successful business people or authors or whatever it is have that, then that's no longer a reason for me not, not to act. It's not telling me what I thought it was, it was telling me. And, and sometimes... We can catch that, I think, by seeing what other people do. I, I also think, though, there's a the, in the in the altruism question. There's something really interesting. Now, I haven't. I'm not a scientist. I haven't run this as a scientific experiment. But I've asked a lot of people and helped a lot of people work on the things that they want to do that they haven't done yet. You know, this is the kind of the place that they find themselves in creative hell in, in that way that we're talking about. I, I've helped a lot of people with that. It's my coaching work. It's 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 through the 12 minute method and things like that. I haven't when people are really listening to their souls, to the things that are really calling them, I have yet to find anything. I I think this is true in in my work, where where the thing that people really want to do but aren't doing makes the world worse, where it doesn't 
Certainly, I think that's true. But I think mostly when people are really called to something, this book that you're talking about, I mean, it's yes, for your family, it's going to have a thing. But if it, if it does become a book, that's a book that will bring things beyond your family to other people, creating the things that really call us, the ideas that people have, they aren't, they haven't taken the steps on yet. I, my feeling is those ideas, those books, those businesses, those creative projects, whatever they are, they, they are almost always altruistic on at least some level. They're almost always helping others as well as helping the person who's creating. And sometimes that might be through the story, like you said, and sometimes it's through the, the, the work in itself, whatever that thing is that's created. The other thing too, is it allows, and there are multiple, it's not just one leap, right? You, you have to keep taking those leaps. You have to keep taking yeah. those leaps, okay? Um, yeah, I hate, I hate to, don't, I hate to, to break, this, break this to people, but yeah. like starting is one thing and then keeping going is another. Because when you keep going, you have to start again every day or every week, mm-hmm. right? And sometimes mm-hmm. it'll feel like that. Now it does get easier. That's been my experience. But yeah, yeah. There is that keeping going element to it. But what I'm also finding is the process too is equally as important and not just thinking, I have a goal to get this thing out there. There's so much magic that can happen in the process. So many discoveries. You know, I went in again thinking that this was just is going to be a book. It might not only be a book, it can be video. It can be a YouTube series. It can be a um, a podcast series. I mean, there's so many things I can do with this in order to nourish my creativity, learn more about myself, um, become more of who I'm becoming. Um, it's actually taught me a different and a profound definition of family you know culturally family has always been important but it changes it 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 has deepened for me family is not just the physical act of saying happy birthday or throwing a birthday party or baking a cake or um coming to family events Family is not taking the people around you for granted. Family is wanting to find each other and deepen deepen a connection. Family is, to me, has been very much acting verbs, not just we're related. And so that's all that matters. And, and so we just love each other. No, it's, it's actual work. It's um, and a lot of discovery and a lot of learning how to accept. It's empathy. So many things. And in the act of the container is writing the book, but it's so much more than that. Yeah. And look, I mean, what you've just said about family is really beautiful. And it's made me think about my family and when when those kind of things have been present and when it's been less like that and it's been more, you know, we're related and therefore, you know, it's like, it's, it's really beautiful what you've just said. I, I'll, I'll listen back to that and I'll, I'll think about it. But I think what you're speaking to is uh, the kind of um, one step back from that is really important. And, and you know, it's worth saying this just about my experiment 
which started out as an experiment to, to, to write some articles, essentially with a timer. It became a timer. It was on the train at first. Like, I didn't know what that was for. It wasn't for writing books. That wasn't what I set out for. It, it, it started, my writing practice started because really because of the resistance, because of the creative hell, because I was working with a coach at the time and I noticed that every time I wanted to share something online, it felt incredibly painful and kind of scary. And it was that creative hell thing that we've been talking about before. So that's where it came from. I wanted my life to not have that in it. And it was useful for my business if I didn't wasn't that wrapped up in myself every time I wanted to post something on the internet, right? But it started just as a practice, really, to get through that. And we talked about creativity and we talked about writing, but it was more a practice about how do I get comfortable sharing things online. And then when I did the first experiment, which was to do five of uh, these articles written in a short train journey in a couple of weeks, proofread once, posted online, that's me getting out of all my procrastination and resistance on it. It's just like, just do it. It didn't feel nice, right? There was a lot of tension about pressing the post button. They were on LinkedIn. It was like really hard. But there was something about it that, that, that kept me going, that, that made me think, this this is there's something good for me about this. I think some kind of connection to this spiritual health piece, this kind of, or, and or maybe this is a way for me to contribute, maybe the altruism piece. But in there, whatever it was, something was kind of calling me about that. And so I kept it going and I turned it into a weekly practice. And much later, I realized a bit by accident that the first three years of those posts could be I thought one book and then a series of books. That was an accident. The books were an accident. Practice and knowing that it was important on some level and that that process mm. was was where it came from. And and the books, mm-hmm. they're the most visible outcome of that practice, but they're not the... I wouldn't say they're the most profound for me. So the but, intangibles. But, right, the intangibles for me. And, and, and for the writing practice... These were mostly were about me, the transformation. Like we could talk about the the ripples of it, but the ripples for me were mostly ripples in my family, in my circles, because mm-hmm. of how I changed. Because as I practiced writing, I got better at thinking, you know, could think more clearly. I became more confident. And then I saw some amazing things for myself, mm-hmm. which is like why some of the sharing, some of this feels so important to me. One of them, when I was writing the second book, or, or well, not writing it, I'd already written all the stuff, you know, in those first three years of of the of the writing practice of the blog but when i was turning it into a book i saw this thing that had happened and i was just like wow this is amazing which was other than this so i've been writing this blog weekly now for six years almost to the day actually when we're when we're recording this it was august 2016 um that the that the writing practice started it's the only thing that i have like um decided to have as a habit and then kept going for this long. There's nothing else like that, nothing before. And if I keep this going, there never will be anything as long as this as this habit, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, there are things like my relationship with my wife has been longer than that, but it it feels a bit different. Like it's, it's like I decided to have this practice and now I've been practicing for six years. And what's interesting about that is like one of the lessons that I learned from the 12... So all these, these pieces in the end, they're mostly written in 12 minutes. And, you know, it's an amazing thing that after three years... Three years times 12 minutes is about 80,000 words, right? That's an amazing thing. Mm. But in a way, like I say, more amazing for me is once, once I know that I can keep practicing something for six years, um, then like I can, I kind of have this embodied confidence that if I chose to practice something else, I could keep practicing that for six years. And given how important I've, I've come to believe practice is, over talent, for example, like that actually most talent is created by practice, then like almost 
if I know that I can practice anything and I can keep that practice going because I have understood that by myself, then then the sense of what's possible for me just just blows up, just just grows enormously. And there's no way that I could possibly have known that I would have a series of books and do a workshop that would have impacts on people like you and, and might ripple out in that way, or that I would see these kind of transformations and changes in myself through a practice when me and my coach at the time, Joel, sat down and said, well, why don't you write a few articles in the next two weeks on the train? It's just like, it was the right thing to do. But like just like you're saying, there's no way that I could have seen the impact of stepping through through that fear and that resistance. There's so much in that. So much in that. Just the trust, the willingness to say, what if I do try that thing? I don't have anything to lose. Okay. Uh, no big deal. Um, I've got a train ride anyway. That was one of the great things about it. It you felt know? like free time so I could play in it. So why not write? Yeah. So why not? Why not just? Yeah. Why not just play? That's important too. I like that you said that. I don't know if that's an accident yeah. or not, but it doesn't always have to be so heavy. Like, can't can't we have a, a say in making the work a little bit more playful, enjoyable? I mean, it's is work, that, but can is, it be playful too? At this, a yes and situation. Such an important point. I mean. There's two things in there. One is to say, it didn't come easy for me to to just do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it, it, that that I had to do a lot of play a lot of tricks on myself, mm-hmm. essentially, to get the scared parts of me to relax enough for me to mm-hmm. to do the thing. The train was an example of that. And then I could tell people afterwards. This, you know, on the bottom of the blogs, it, you know, these days it says it was written in twelve minutes. It used to say it was written on the train. It's like, well, if it was written on the train, no one can really be like all the mistakes. All the things that sound stupid, that's okay, right? That I had to do that kind of, those kind of tricks on myself Uh to get myself going Uh because I was worried. There was lots of, lots of of stuff going on for me. Um, so I think that, that's, that's really important. But, but a way through that is the word is play. And I don't think I had that at the start, but I, I keep seeing the importance of that. And, And when you said it, what it made me think is a bit like, when we were talking about like who writes books earlier on, a lot of us have these stories about how books are written uh, and how you know what what a really creative person is like, and they're probably kind of tortured in yeah. some way, and it's yeah. really hard for them. Um, and the same with businesses; it's like, well, businesses are only really, really effortful things that that people have to work mm-hmm. eighteen hour days to mm-hmm. get off the ground, or startups are, and it, you know. There is definitely an advantage in certain stages of business to putting a lot of time and energy into it. But it's I think it's an important challenge that you just kind of laid down there and thought experiment for us, which is yes and, exactly. Well, what if a business can be successful and I can put a lot of energy into it and it can be fun to do? Wouldn't that be just like a little bit better than it being me having to put a lot of energy and it being a bit tortuous? Like it, it would for me. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Shifting slightly, what would what would you say to a person? Because you brought up this mental image of a person who's writing in a corner, <laughs> relentlessly alone. What would you say to somebody in who feels alone? But you 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 are connected, but maybe you can't necessarily feel that in your work because you don't always have the ability to be with an audience or share with someone else. Like that example I gave you with my mother and my my daughter, which mm. is a way I guess I've kind of tricked myself too into 
Nice. This yeah. this can become a book this way. Like I don't have to do this alone. But what about when you are alone? How do you keep going? What what gives you that momentum? Yeah. I think it's it's really important what you're talking about. And I hope that one of the great gifts of the internet and the internet age is that fewer people have to be alone. More people can find the kinds of people that can support them because our families can't always be the people that support our creative or our entrepreneurial ventures because they don't always understand. And our, our families can be really well-meaning when we're doing something that to them looks risky, either literally risky or kind of creatively risky because they want us to be safe. And often they that's the kind of number one feeling. And that's not a bad mm. thing, but sometimes we need somebody around us who says, no, do that crazy looking thing. Mm. Um, and it's good to have some other people on the journey. And mm. The next book, the third book in the 12 Minute Method series is going to be called How to Create the Conditions for Great Work. And this is one of the, the, the so the, the, the one of the, a, a big section in that, a third of the book, or one of the three parts is about creating the relationships and people that you need around you if you're going to do great work in the world. And um, I, this is one of the, in a way, I think this is one, of, I'm, I'm quite a solitary person, or I have been in some ways in my life. And I don't think if I'd sat down to write that, this book or this series, uh, like the way I thought books were supposed to be written, i.e. sit down, do loads and loads of research, make a plan, um, write it in that order. Maybe if I'd done the research I had, but if I'd planned this series of books, I don't think it would have had this piece in it about finding the right people um, to support you. But because I wrote it through as I week by week, as I was fighting my own creative battles, when I look back at what I'd written over those three years, there's this whole set of it, which is about how do you create partnerships? How do you... Like, what are the things that you that I needed in my relationships to enable me to do the work that I was doing? So I just, I'm saying all that, I guess, by way of saying, it's really, it's really important, isn't it? Hmm. And what I guess, I'm hearing, yeah, go on. What I'm hearing is, is finding the right team, which is something that I do talk to uh, yeah, um, that, students, that clients yeah. alike, um, my kids. It's... It, something really important you said one person can't be everything to you it's just not yeah. possible nor is it fair yeah it's absolutely right i was going to say nor is it fair that's such a good such a good i completely agree with that to put so everything it's, on it's, one person yeah so it's finding your teams for different yeah. things it is and i guess what as you said that i realized one of the ways that i avoided that trap is because I, I work as a coach so i coach leaders i coach uh, entrepreneurs i coach other coaches and creatives and all kinds of people i'm very privileged to do this work and uh, there's a great book for coaches called the prosperous coach and, and one of the things they say in it is you've got to hire your own coach and basically because they said that and because their arguments for doing it are so good because it's a way of really understanding the value of what you're doing it's a way of um really embodying the magic of what great coaching can do for you and, and so many other things kind of act of integrity too i did that from the start and so what is where my 12-minute writing practice came from and in a way it's been one of the things that has meant that in my business, I've never really, and my creative work, I've never got to that point where either everything is relying on the kind of one most important person in my life, nor is it 
that I feel totally alone because I've always got this person. And what's weird about that is, of course, I pay those coaches, <laughs> uh, but it, that doesn't matter, right? It doesn't right. matter if you, if you, if you're, if you're, if you're a person or, mm-hmm. you know, and they're professionals. So in fact, they are like professional people at being the person for mm-hmm. somebody who's going through one of these transitions. Cause coaching mm-hmm. really is just, you know, if we think about it, it's helping somebody do the thing that they want to do, but they don't feel like they can do alone. Whatever yes. kind of coaching that is, becoming yeah. a great football player, you know, becoming, you know, whatever, becoming a great violinist, whatever the thing is, writing a book, any of these things. Finding her own way of being healthy. <laughs> right. Exactly right. Mm-hmm. And and so, I mean, that's that's one of the ways, but also I I have done it by, and, and we're an example of this, right? By finding the people who speak to me, in this case, for us, it might be Seth Godin, and then finding out and just having my eyes for where are the other people who Seth Godin speaks to. Because if you're someone like Seth, who, you know, I've, oh, I, don't, I, I don't know him personally, really. We exchange some emails occasionally and little bits of one, maybe one or two Zoom calls as part of a group that I, I was on where he was there. One, I think, it's like, I don't know him personally, but I can feel his authenticity is there. And one of the great things when someone is really authentic in the world is the people that are uh, that admire them will we, you know you and I have something in common because we both admire that person and how mm-hmm. they're showing up in the world. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that's a great way to find if you want to find the people that might be great to be alongside you on the journey. If there's someone who's inspiring you on that journey and they are gathering some people somewhere, that might be a great place to to go. And not only kind of just being an echo chamber, but we're talking about this, taking this leap of being a a creative person. It's finding the other people who are going to help galvanize you to get there. And it will challenge you as well and not just say, yeah, 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 you're great. That's one thing. But to really see you, hear you and go, but I, what about this thing? You know, or, yeah. or what about this blind spot? Exactly. There's this in 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 again in the third book, the one that's coming out, which is I've been working on it like just even today. So it's it's why it's so much in my mind. I think there's this chapter, and unfortunately, I tried to find who had said this, and I couldn't find it. So if anyone knows, or if you know, please tell me. But my brother told me it, and he thought he'd heard it on a particular podcast. But when we looked back through, the, we couldn't find it anyway. Mm. But the idea was something like this: that if we're on a journey like the one we, you and I are talking about now where we're taking these leaps of courage and we're growing as people as we do it and we're making something that matters mm-hmm. we're fighting the the spiritual creative battles that we're fighting you might you might you'll, you'll be well served to have three groups of people that you're connected to mm. the first group so this might be in the story that i just told it might be seth right is people you admire people who are, he- are ahead of you in some way on that journey okay so you these know, people it, make it possible exactly they're the kind of like okay i can it's it's been done Mm-hmm. They've done it, so mm-hmm. I can do it. So it's okay. that piece. Mm-hmm. And, and then you would want people who are kind of your peers on the journey, who are at the same stage that you are. And that's, I think, what you were just talking about. Mm-hmm. Because if I, you know, if I think about, you know, it's like two people who, or three people, or ten people who can be around each other. They can kind of show you that everything you're going through is normal. All the crazy things you think, and the times yes. you nearly give up, that's normal. Yes. But they can also yes. challenge you. They can say, "But look, you're not." You're not doing this thing that you mm. said, or, mm. or yeah, like you say, there's this blind spot that you haven't seen. And mostly when you're on that journey with people, you almost can't help but do it for them mm-hmm. as well. So it's like well, a there's accountability finger yeah. and absolutely accountability. Yeah. And then the, the reason my brother told me this story is I was, I had a, I was part of a group, a, a different group, and I was finding, I was feeling the real pressure of those peers. The accountability was really, you know, mm-hmm. kicking my ass basically mm-hmm. because it was hard. You know, sometimes these things we're doing there 
they're hard. And he told me the story because you also need people who are behind, you need to know about and connect with sometimes people who are kind of behind you on the journey because then you see how far you've come. And mm-hmm. if you don't have that, it can be easy to lose faith because the journey can be hard <laughs> and the people you admire can feel like they are a long way ahead mm-hmm. sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the people around you, because you compare what's going on or I compare what's going on for me on the inside with what's going on for them on the outside. Absolutely. I only see, I see that I only see the successes that happen for them. I don't know all the all the time, all the stuff that's going on, yeah. on the inside, the doubt, all that kind of thing. It's really amazing to sometimes go into a room. And this happened to me, it, you know, I write about it a bit in the book. I went to a, a meetup of coaches and it was just an absolute relief. I had a huge amount of love for these people who were just hadn't been coaching basically as long as I had. And I could just see, oh, all this work that I've been doing on my business, it's really working. Because I used to be exactly where they were, and mm. now I'm here. Mm. And what a relief that I'm making progress. Because it can be really hard to to notice our progress. Hmm. So for yourself and showing them, it's possible. And then I'm somebody else showing them it's possible. And mm-hmm. also, I you know, I can sh- you know, and I've I I remember once I think it was like the might have been only the second the second podcast I was ever on. This guy asked, asked this great question. He was like, Robbie, why are you so generous? <laughs> you know, and it was like, why do you give all this stuff away? It was essentially what he was asking. And it was a great question. He asked it with a lot of love. But in a way, I give it away because of seeing those people who are just, you know, even a couple of steps behind and thinking, ah, there might be a there might be a way for them to not mm. go through quite as much mm. of the struggle as I did. Um, mm. And I certainly feel like the people that I've admired, the people that have been ahead of me on the journey, they've they've helped me shortcut a lot of things that that I thankfully didn't have to go through as much of because of the help I've had from them. As we're winding down, I am feeling so much possibility and richness and what you've said. And it, it feels like this is a great moment to ask you this question. What is your personal definition of what it means to be healthy? <sighs> so I've been thinking about this a little bit because I know that you asked guests this question. But I wanted to slow down in the moment just to kind of let it settle. It feels, it does feel like the perfect moment in this conversation for you to ask it because it feels really related to what we've just been talking about. So I sat with this a little bit and then I thought I'd come up with something really cool. And then I realized it was like, the, that you, you know, obviously you already know this. A part of it is integration, right? Integration of all the things I need. And then I was thinking, but what is it about that? Why is that important? And, and what are the things that I feel like I need integrated? Like, what is that health? And mm. it is like, True health for me is is having all the things that I need in order to thrive. And the way I first really saw that was somebody else who'd come up with a similar set of things, but not quite the same as yours, which is why I love those six aspects that you talk about. But it was, ah, and it's not just, I think it was a really big moment for me where I was, it wasn't just the physical health. That's all I'd ever really thought about in that case. And even it wasn't just the mental health, which we get talk about a lot these days, but, you know, it was the emotional, it was the spiritual health. It was, yeah, and those other ones that you talk about, the intellectual health, you know, they're, they're, all, they're all so important. And, and I don't think I knew, for example, given everything we were talking about, the power of having a weekly writing practice, just how much that gave me mm. in, in terms of integrating those, in terms of getting those things I need in order to, to thrive. Thank you, Robbie. Thank you for being you. Thank you for being here. It has been, I, I'm just really glad we were able to capture this conversation because we'll both always have it. Yeah, we had that, we had that, we had that conversation a little bit um, last time we spoke. 
like we can never know what will happen but we now have 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 done this thing and there's no way what i love about so there's some wonderful things about practicing something solo like there really are Um, and i would never want to not practice things in partnership you know, like the people we mm. need around us, right? Mm. One of the things I love about this conversation, particularly with somebody like you, who's able, you know, to have this conversation, create this kind of space with me, for me in this way, it's like this conversation couldn't have happened between two other people and it couldn't have happened between even these two people at any other moment. Like there's yeah. something we've really captured here. And yeah, I'm very grateful that you've allowed me into your into your little world here, the world that you're creating. And that, yeah, I'm, I'm very grateful that I stumbled into your desk yoga class and then you stumbled <laughs> into my 12-minute writing class Absolutely. three years ago. <laughs> Thank you, Robbie. Thank you. I practicing yoga with us from the comfort of her own home? We foster a peaceful, happy, and safe space in our online yoga classes. Community and relationships matter, so there are no more than 10 women per class. And because we want it to be a good fit, the first month is free for new students. So what are you waiting for? Join today. Book at npkhealthintegration.com. Hope to see you soon.